All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast 141. We are your hosts, Phil and Darren. What is going on, Mama Bear? How you doing? I am doing well. Yeah, it's another uh, another week, another podcast, number 141. We were just talking before this podcast. We've done probably closer to like 175 podcasts or something like that because we had mechs, devs, and beer and what, uh, whatever else we've worked on. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of podcasts. It's been a ride. Anyways, uh, yeah, already getting some recognition, recognition in our chat. We've got a special guest tonight. And of course, today is May 11, 2016. Give a quick shout out to those that may not know. Well, I don't know if they know you by your first name, but we're about to drop the bomb. Chase, uh, and you go by Trainzy. How you doing, man? How are, you know, how, how's, how's things going? Uh, things are going great. I'm excited for some changes coming and i'm especially excited for talking about the patch notes and just generally the BattleTech universe because i've really dug myself deep and uh you're reading talk about yeah you're reading the jade falcon trilogy we were just talking about that too first of all real quick uh everybody yes this is chase you could find that out if you went to his twitch page twitch.tv forward slash trainsy tv so it's trainsy tv is his handle uh you can also find him on twitter at trainsy tv uh, he's been streaming MWO for a while now. How long actually have you been playing MWO, Chase? So I I played Mech, uh, MechWarrior Online near launch, but then I stopped playing it until it re-released on Steam. And then immediately after it re-released on Steam, my friend who was on leave from uh, the military is like, hey, we should just play MechWarrior for 14 hours a day for the next four days and drink a bunch of monsters. So that kind of sounds like a good the, friend. Yeah. That, that kind of, I kind of spurred the, the addiction and I've taken it a lot easier, uh, henceforth, but I've been playing, uh, pretty, I mean, I put a lot of hours in since the, the launch on steam, which I think was about four, four months ago. Yeah. December. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Well, uh, we have been hanging out with you, um, you know, in your in your streams and so forth. But you are going to start streaming more regularly, which is kind of the reason why you're here, right? You're going to uh, you're kind of announcing your launch of your MWO stream. He's, schedule, he's taking it up a notch or two. Yeah, taking it or up or five. Yeah, upgrading I'm, your mech. Yeah, upgrading my mech. I'm gonna be uh, choosing MechWarrior Online as my main game because. Uh, there hasn't been a game in existence since I think Star Wars Galaxies that has held my attention enough to want to play it every day. Uh, so with my stream, it's always been kind of a variety cast. And if if you're familiar, everybody's here that's uh, supporting, you know, Senpai Face, uh, Cause, Bandit, y'all, y'all have been there. You know that I jump from game to game to game because the interest will wane. Well, Mech Warrior is kind of the first game in a while that I'm like, oh man, I, I love playing this. I'd love to play this every day. So starting Friday, uh, May 13th, I'll be playing for four and a half to five hours a day, six days a week. So I have a question just for you. I mean, we've got some topics to talk about, but before, well, before we get, we get in, topics, before yeah. we get there, like, I guess the, the real question is what, what draws you into MWO or what draws you into the Battletech universe? What is it that is different than other, I guess, free to play or other games that you've been playing. 
And also, you mentioned uh, Star Wars Galaxies. One comparison I might, because I hear that a lot, actually, people comparing it to Star Wars. Um, I think the, uh, the lore has a lot to do with it. You said you're diving into the Jade Falcon trilogy. Um, obviously, you've been checking out uh, Sarno. We've talked to you about that. Um, is it the fact that there's so much to dive into, or is it just something about this particular future, you know, uh, sci-fi, whatever, that compels you? Um, I mean, similar to to D and D and other established systems that are based off of D twenty tabletop games, um, and in terms of kind of associated lore, you know, what Star Wars offers is very much that embedded universe that has an extensive amount of canon and just a ridiculous amount of creativity coming from a like a very passionate fan base, and that is exactly what. Uh, Battletech is, you know, from you know my involvement when I used to play this uh, MechWarrior 2 when I was like six years old. My dad was a complete fanboy, so he kind of imparted it then on me. Um, and only until now did I have I actually delved into the lore. And it's from a game perspective, it's one of the most mechanically customizable games that's available on the the market. Um, and it's also the most kind of mechanic meets skill meets application. So the reason that it would be compared to something like Star Wars Galaxy, because that was kind of like a game ahead of its time where there's cross-planet travel, where you can uh, have a house with all these ridiculous items and fight these ridiculous creatures. It was just so big for its time, kind of like planet side, how there's that cross-planet travel where you can fight people at different Epic scale, yeah. Yeah, so this is this is a you know an epic scale um, uh, franchise it's, universe yeah. franchise universe mech game, but based off of the you know the lore that BattleTech has and that you know innate system that derived from tabletop because you know some of the best games you know from Bethesda and Bioware are based off of that that structure. So that's what really holds my attention is. The ability to uh, apply that skill and that 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 passion for learning, and then take it to the battlefield, and then become a better warrior as a result, and then kind of rest at the end of the day, and, and you know you could think about the story that's behind it. And I think one of the most interesting things, you know, uh, with Russ being the current president, is that he mentioned that everything that is happening now in the MWU universe is canon. So the players. No, however, not so directly are are dictating, you know, in, in faction play, uh, even with it cycling in maps, are dictating a certain extent of the canon. And I think that's something I'm excited about because it gives players the potential to possibly write their own stories. Choose your way. own adventure. Yeah, well, you choose your own adventure. You're like, you know, uh, you know, we in the Jade Falcons, we're going to go all the way to Terra and claim the universe, you know, against the Inner Sphere and just give them a big, like, F you, like, we're the yep. superior clan. Like, that, w- that would be a cool story. Even if you the reset was coming, that's still something you can log in the journal and say, well, you know, clan, uh, you know, factual uh, CW cycle, whatever, we took Terra, like, eat it. Yeah. You know, so are you, it sounds to me like you are going to be a clanner. Does that, I know I got a lot of my allegiances from playing the tabletop in the 80s, uh, reading the novels and so forth. That's how I kind of got my favorite units and houses and so forth. But 
you're going to be a dirty clanner, aren't you? I I am going to be a dirty clanner. <laughs> so you know what's funny about that is uh, I've always sort of been affiliated with like Clan Wolf, Phelan Kell being my favorite you know character in in the universe, and I actually went by the alias for years, even when I first met you, Darren, and. The reason I switched was, you know, when MW was announced, it was, you know, that at the time PGI was like, hey, you can't use canon names. We're not going to let that registration or like unit, uh, unit, uh, canon unit names. But it's interesting because you're a classic example of someone who's played one of the older games, has had no really connection with the lore or canon, doesn't really. Maybe, again, there's going to be aspects that when you're reading the novels, you had no idea. I mean, the, the clans themselves are so diverse just within themselves, let alone now you have the inner sphere. And as I've grown up, one thing that really caught my attention growing up as a teenager was sort of the warrior caste system, right? You always want to better yourself, you're right? The whole idea of honor and courage, but you know, you're always, you know, pushing to be the best and that, that really called to me. And as I grew up though, I started realizing maybe just through natural, you know, sort of, world experiences that like what the clans sort of represented and in some ways especially the warden sort of extremism i would side more with the inner sphere and so it sort of got into my head like if you almost looked at it as real world politics and like and then you sort of start to catch on like some of the novels sort of play off of like the 80s and sort of anyways it was it's it's just it's always awesome hearing people that are coming into it that haven't didn't dive into the, the the lore right off the bat and then gotten into the games, but played it in reverse of, uh, is it going to, it's going to be interesting because I, I think we'd need to have you on again after maybe a few novels and has your opinion changed or do you still feel the same way about Clan Jade Falcon? Do you still feel the same way about a particular character? And, you know, Basically, Phil, what I took from what you just said is when you were uh, young, immature, childish, you were a fan of the clans, and when you matured and, and grew up a little bit, you switched to inner sphere. No, I, I actually, I haven't. No. <laughs> I haven't because what? I actually, I'm still a clanner, even well, right now. I'm a clanner, exactly. Style, but it's 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 the idea that They're I still believe. I yeah, I still believe in in the fundamentals, the sort of uh, you know the the. Not the caste system per se, but some of the. You want to be a badass, but you also want to be right. You, you, you don't want to play. You don't want to be the evil guy, right? And and that's the Wolf in Exile is just sort of that. It, it realizes, it's you right know, it's yeah. But um, yeah. Well, uh, Chase, welcome to the Mech Warrior MWO BattleTech Everything community. We're kind of like Hotel California, which is appropriate since you live here. Uh, you're you can never leave, basically. Yeah, you're stuck you're forever. One of us now. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess a quick question. You said you played MechWarrior 2. Um, that was his entry into did, the Did you play player. 3 and 4 by any chance? I, I didn't play 3 and 4. Okay. So, yeah, there's another thing. is like 3 and 4 and then also the Mech Manor series. Um, we're going to get you caught up. Uh, just, uh, we'll, we'll get you there. But, uh, let me know what you think about the Jade Falcon trilogy. Cause it's, if, is it your first novel you're diving into? Um, I have the audiobook, I think Wolves on the Border, and okay. I'm about halfway through that, and then I went into the, the Clan Jade Falcon, okay. and, uh, I found myself more in kind of liking the, the wolves as far as personality, but I was a little more intrigued for, there, the thing is like, when, when Darren and I talked, he was just like, oh, blah, 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 I'm really into Inner Sphere, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna choose Clan. 
because then <laughs> you guys are going to go really heavy into that. And it's kind of the new, you know, the I new like era, the new echelon. Like they, they're, they're passing through as far as how, how identify with their, their moral code. I think they're very, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very humanist in real life like, and they're very like anti-humanist. They're very true born. It's true-born. it's a role play, right? It's, it's the idea that you can, you can be that cold hearted, you know, killer that, you know, yeah. Um, I, I will say like you're starting later on in the novels. I, I would definitely recommend, and, and we always get asked this question is what novels would you read first? And usually what we do is we tell people to read the great Eth legion and I think what's unique too is just because it'll take you a step, literally years, back, and you get an idea of sort of what the inner sphere is as far as uh, before the clan invasion. Because a lot of the people that came in in Mechware 2, um, clans, 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 right? Clan Tex, Clan Mex, Timberwolves, and stuff like this, where you take a step back and, you know, wolves over the border and are on the border, and some of those older novels, you get a different perspective, more of a, a not humanizing the inner sphere, but a, a, a bitter, a better overall picture and scope bitter of things. Well. I didn't even know what the fuck clans were when I started playing, you know, BattleTech back in the day. And, and yeah, so, I mean, it's obvious why I, my allegiances are where they are. But anyway, like I said, welcome. Phil, you want to take us into today's subject matter? All right. So um, <laughs> I called this when, and, it, and when it came live. Casey is going to join us. Everybody He's going to kind of chat with us about all this but yeah go ahead yeah so we've got the um roadmap that went live and uh we've got may june and july posted now just to clarify uh someone asked me this on stream they were like well russ is posting this up are we not going to have town halls anymore yes we're definitely having town halls um so don't we had a few people ask about that um the kodiak yeah, actually i i talked to russ about this today just to uh quickly uh, get this info out there as well um you know, the town halls, uh, we may not do them monthly. We're probably going to do them uh, as per needed when we have things to divulge and, and get out there or whatever. Um, and also, as far as doing, a obviously, a roadmap that's May, June, July, especially in the later months, June and July, there's things that are subject to change or alterations. So just be aware of that. But anyway, let's take us off into May. So the Kodiak, are you guys ready for this? Is your body ready? Like it's. Well, I'm ready for, I'm, I'm, you know what? I want somebody in the community. I want to do it myself, but I don't think I have the time. I would love to see somebody in the community. Now that we have the Kodiak remake that uh, trailer. They've done it with the MechWare 2 intro. Um, yeah. So here you have one. Let's go dive into this aesthetically. Um, <laughs> it's a bear. Finally, it looks like a bear. It looks like it's going to rip your face off. Uh, so aesthetically again, uh, you know, Chase, we've said this, Alex Iglesias, he is... Wolverine Claws, too. A mech porn god creator. Like, oh, dude. He, he's, I mean, literally, I think it was the best decision Russ and, and company at the time did when they decided to do MechWarrior Battletech. Best, yeah, best two decisions Russ ever made was uh, getting the MechWarrior franchise and hiring Alex Iglesias. Hands down. Beautiful job on the Kodiak. Are you... Uh, Chase, what do you like as far as mechs? What what's your uh your weight class of choice? Lights? Um, I'm presently in a in assaults, so um Right up your alley. Then you're looking yeah. forward to this freaking <laughs> Well the the retractable, um, do you know if that's gonna be active? Is that gonna do any damage? No, it won't. It's purely aesthetic. Purely cosmetic, yeah. Yeah. 
And actually, if you actually know anything about lore, it's cosmetic even in the tabletop or in even the novels. It was purely a, an aesthetic, which is actually surprising to a lot of people. Um, but it was purely aesthetic um, Wolverine claws. But uh, yeah, I played around with this. I jumped in. It's like the king crab claws. Yeah. So we have access. I hopped in. And the first thing I noticed was the ballistic mounts on the torso are high. So they're higher than the direwolf. Um, <laughs> the amount of, what is it? The one has 12 or 11 energy hard points. Uh, there's one with the uh, quad. You can do quad gosh. You can do like 10s, 5s, 2s, t- 20s. It's, and not to mention that, uh, because it uses the clan tech, but battle tech um, build rules, you're going to be able to equip Indo and Pharaoh right off the bat. And uh, the one is jump capable. I think it's the uh, the two, the uh, Kodiak, uh, the the two. The Which would be K- the one bursting K-K-2. out of the ice when somebody uh, makes yeah. that trailer. Yeah. So um, first off, I think what this is this is actually an interesting subject because here you have a hundred tonner that's coming out for the clans. Um, that is probably going to be one of the most. Well, I'll say it. I think it's. I, I think it's going to be one of the most powerful mechs in the game. Um, speed maneuverability because of the the high engine and the mobility being tied into that to the clan weapon systems um it's the atlas is gonna it's gonna be a contender yeah. first thing i noticed when i logged in dude is it's huge the thing yeah, is it's, massive it's tall which we're gonna see tomorrow the uh the day three of the the countdown or whatever will be tomorrow and that'll be scale so you guys will see tomorrow how big it is but it is a monster i, I you know nigrat i i think I'm going to, I'm going to call, I think it's going to be a good brawler just because, uh, you know, UX at range is one thing to hit all the, you know, your, your rounds on one target, but a UX 20, UX 10 close range, you throw on two of them, some SRMs. One, you got to think of weight savings with the, uh, missiles as well for clan tech. I, I think it'll be better than the Atlas. The only difference being is depending on the quirks, if it gets any survivability quirks or, or the variant. I mean, that's really maybe the difference between an Atlas and it would be how survivable is it compared to. So, you know, I think the 2C mechs, they can't, they're they out there. They have no quirks and look how well, in general, they perform. Um, it's, Chase, what is your uh, clan assault mech of choice right now? Decisions. I know. He's like, I, I want them all. If he was a, if he was a true Jade Falcon, he'd be like the Turkina, but you know it's not in game. You know, so he doesn't know yet. He's not he's not to that level yet, dude. No, he's not. He will be. No, I, I, one day. I, it's it's. I don't. I hate to be the guy that's like I don't have a favorite mech because I. They're all know. my favorite. They're all my baby. Oh well, no, it's not even. Child? It's not even that they're all my favorite. It's just I'm such. Uh, you know, hundred hundred plus plus hours in since stream launch. I'm I'm in still such a de- developmental stage where I haven't garnered any attachment towards any specific mechs. You know, my my favorite is, you know, Inner Sphere. It's the Mauler right now, but it's just so easy that it's also not my favorite for me because I'm just you know throwing rounds down range. Spamming. Yeah. yeah, I'm AC five spamming. And I'm like, oh cool, nine hundred damage at the end of the I'm like, uh, that's fun. Um so I haven't settled on anything because I haven't let myself rest uh, between, you know, working on footwork with the light mechs and then switching over to salt to kind of learn patience. So I can't, you know, I can't, I can't settle right now. Gotcha. So. Um, Fair enough. Well, maybe the Kodiak will be your new favorite. 
Anyways, it looks like a new favorite. <laughs> I, I think what needs to be also said about the Kodiak is, um, was it Bishop Steiner that did the, did the Care Bear camo pattern? Yeah, and yeah, like, that's literally, PGI needs to hop on that shit and really sell. The, I don't give a crap yeah, because, I mean, look, if it makes some money and people want to buy it, I'll shoot. And, you know, I don't really Just care what your camo people is. People bring in their Solaris paint jobs to the battlefield. That's fine. As far as the rest of May, it's pretty much just other tweaks and fixes. There's some stuff to chat. There's uh, Mech Academy changes, long Tom adjustments, now, UI adjustments. I'm interested stuff. what kind of chat improvements. Cause I don't think – don't get your hopes. Uh, I don't think it's anything significant. Don't, why Why you got to do that, man? I've got – Pissing your Cheerios? I don't know. I just I, I don't well, think it's a significant, but I, I think it's just chipping away at some. Is it going to flash anymore? Like I turn off the random flashing, and I think that would please a lot we of people. See. Um, yeah. Anyway, May is a little bit uh, light on content, but we'll move into June, which definitely has a lot more. I want to I just bring up one more point yes. about the Kodiak being the hundred tonner. I think the biggest fault of the clans is that their entire weapons package is in the direwolf and that it's like exposed in the ct the kodiak seeks to kind of spread out the damage and i think that is probably like you know given the perks of course let it decide if it's better than the atlas but that is probably the greatest advantage you know despite its giant size is that it's not so ct heavy so it has its own strategic like you can hit me everywhere i can mitigate and continue with my full hundred ton package of burst you know? yeah and i think it's a good comparison if you look at like the king crab versus the atlas right the atlas can just shield yeah. a lot easier it's evil you know it's easier torso twist whereas the king crab it's so wide and if comparison would be the direwolf and potentially the kodiak as well i mean you've got those two you know different different things where open wide ground the the direwolf just brings the pain but uh yeah it's it's gonna be interesting well, i mean the big weakness so... of the mauler and the atlas is the like you know the xl engines you can't run them unless you mm-hmm. want to take yeah exactly so, yeah i'm so tired of talking about the kodiak freaking clan mechs <laughs> let's talk about june phoenix hawk that is going to be the fifth i'm excited for that you know why i'm excited for it why 45 ton ecm variants it's yeah. right up my alley love it um one the phoenix hawk to me has always had its sort of a special place because one it looks it's one of the unseen right two in the tabletop, at least, it was a perfect combination of it had enough speed. That was a speed, great tabletop top mech. Yeah. Jump jets, armor, had full armor, like, on, on most of the... So you didn't struggle with that. And um, off the top of my head, it was, like, 9 and 6. I want to say it could run for 9 and jump for 6. Good maneuverability. So, anyways, for me, at least, the Phoenix Hawk is sort of that... And for my play style, is that sort of uh, epitome of, of speed maneuverability and, and firepower i think it's going to be interesting because i think the majority of them have weapons all in the arms for the most part energy and ballistic uh but that ecm opens up the door to it just being a little ninja and that's exactly what i love so, so it could p- potentially be a, a film mech it um is. and yes. then but let's not spend too much time on that uh, this all otherwise it's all gonna be about mechs so let's move on to another mech Real quickly, the, the Butterbee Catapult Hero is also coming out. I guess there's a little controversy. Yeah. Um, some people thinking it will make the other catapults, uh, well, just there's well, no reason to use anyone. Here's the unique toss out there, too, is we've got a rescaling mm-hmm. come for the, coming for the catapults. That's the so next thing, yeah. You already have variants of the catapults that are generally stronger, especially in the, the current gameplay. Um, but that being said, now you have one that has four missile for energy potentially like four srm6s and four mediums stuff like that whereas some of the other ones 
And I, I think this is a question of, you know, uh, LRMs in general. I think this is sort of a, a, a talk about you want LRMs to be viable. Do you just throw SRMs on it? What about other mechs? And it gets a little wonky because of quirks. It, you know, is it not potentially pay to win, but is it one of those where that particular variant is better than any free variant out there. And so I think that's, it's a valid, you know, criticism and, and, you know, sort of discussion topic concern. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But anyway, that, uh, Butterbee catapult hero coming out in June. And now we can move on to what you just mentioned, mech rescaling. This is global rescaling. So many mechs getting resized. Um, and a few of them significantly, the Nova and and a few others. So that's going to be huge. Yeah. So actually, um, got the, I actually got to see the numbers on this. And what was surprising was um, what mechs were actually underscaled. Um, and, you know, when we looked at, like, let's talk about 35 tonners really quick. Chase, are you aware of this uh, happening? Do you know that a lot of the mechs are kind of off scale wise? Yeah. Have you been informed? Yeah. And I, I heard of the rescaling. I'm like, whoa, it's going to make a big difference before Worlds. Like, holy cow, is that going to change? both quick play and faction as far as meta meta selection Poten- potentially i i think a lot of the 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 some of the community took a step back when they heard russ talk about the uh blackjack you know the blackjack being too big or too small but i think what people i think what people were looking at was they can accept that maybe it was too small but what they're trying to say is the blackjack also has a low engine cap uh you know has to face this entire, you know, entire to deliver, you know, and then also the torsos are so e- easily uh, destroyed. So I think that's some of the concerns when they say that is that they're like, really, it's not that, that small. Um, but I think what's going to be interesting is on the opposite end of the, the spectrum, which is the lights. Um, I've seen the numbers. A lot of the ISMX have been drastically underscaled for look at the Adder kit Fox, the Adder and kit Fox actually weren't overscaled. It, Put that in your brain box for a second, guys. The Adder and Kit Fox actually weren't overscaled. They were actually proper size. The problem was all of your IS counterpart mechs were just straight up like 15, 20%, you know, smaller. And not only that, you know, what what does that do when a target's harder to hit? Um, Agility and stuff like that, that goes in it. So it'll be, I think that'll be probably be the biggest gameplay. And then you've got like the Nova Catapult, the Locust, the locust was uh, over uh, overscaled, by the way, guys. The locust was overscaled. It's going to be even smaller. Like that's like, insane. You know, you thought the the the, the, the coin gonna be like the flea. annoying little shit is going to really, um, you know, come to fruition. Yeah. So and so along with the mech rescaling, there will also be you know uh, there will be uh, balance that will be going in as well as future balance changes if it's necessary post rescale so there'll be quirk changes potentially and uh but to go yeah, back chase, chase what you said I, I don't think it'll be a huge gameplay like across the board like a meta changer i think there will be certain chassis and variants that actually get played now because they're not just outperformed because they're so easy to hit you know like um you know the dragon and some of those like i said some of those mechs that are just the nova i mean until it gets rescaled it just it remains a Nova, right? So um, I don't think it'll be like Nova. game changing, but I definitely think it'll be uh, bringing some of those uh, variants and, and chassis. Yep. I'm excited about it. I want to see, uh, see the changes. And uh, so looking forward to that in June, next thing in June. And this one I'm 
excited about, but also super nervous about at the same time, which is new Frozen City. New thoughts, Jack City. Thoughts, new Chase. Frozen City. Let's get I mean, let's get the gist, Chase. What do you what are your thoughts? Yeah. So I mean it's Chase, it's, are you aware of what other maps have gone through this process? It's like the 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 makeover or whatever? I, I haven't bore um you know direct witness to a before and after, but I can see like strategic points in Frozen City that make it a very redundant kind of fight and a very uh it's it's tough it's tough to fight on <laughs> and there are there are some very winning strategies where people go over the crest of the mountain in quick play and they just do this direct push and i think i've lost every time that i've been on the f- defending side of that um cut you in half because if you you guys your assaults are in the back they don't you know yeah Frozen City is one of the oldest maps uh, in MWO. It's one of the originals. Um, it's going through basically a makeover. Same thing happened to Forest Colony and Caustic Valley. Uh, they're getting a 20 and River City. Uh, 24-hour night cycle, uh, destructible environment, you know, being changed physically. I think it's going to be significantly bigger. I don't know. Wait. No, wait. What is the difference? Is it going to be bigger? Are, are you talking about? Th- I think it's a total. Frozen City. As far as I'm understanding it, it's just like caustic it's it's or for, yeah. for forest colony i think it's more like forest colony i think the concerns are for a lot of people out there is frozen city night a lot of people enjoy it one because you can get into the fight very quickly like even with the revamp we've had with forest colony for the most part if we're all honest Everybody with ourselves we we place. usually fight around the arch which is sort of where on the original map so you have you know it's, it's 90 the, the, the original forest colony is kind of right around where that uh, ship is with the shipping containers over to the arch oh, and that's there used to be yeah, a cave kind of yeah it, it used to sort of be the size of frozen city you know and uh, now it's also the center of the map sort of so yeah that, i mean it's natural sort of paths you know that yeah. take you and but one of the problems the reason why that happens is because you have you know 80 percent of the map that you can't really access now i like forest colony do I would I say it's better than the old? I think they're two different maps, and they are totally different maps. So, and I would have been okay with keeping both. Uh, like I remember even saying, like it'd be fantastic. Well, there if was we did tons have. of us that wanted to keep all the old maps as well, if not in the actual game rotation, at least in the private lobby. Yeah. Um, I know Frozen City is a favorite amongst many players. See, I, you know what? You know what I'd like? Yeah. I would like them to say. And, and and I know it's tough because I know from a creation standpoint and an artist and design, right, they're wanting to update things. But I think it would be fantastic if they said, okay, here's the map. That tunnel, is it's too close to the edge because seismic picks up movement. So pretty much like tunnel pushes are very, very rare. So let's update the, the textures. Let's update the things sort of like on uh, Polar Highlands with, you know, the, the textures and some of the uh, natural effects and stuff. But let's let's move things around. Let's Let's make it little bit bigger you're saying for the most part keep keep it the, it same. the same yeah like yeah and i don't know because i mean uh, sight lines you, you don't have a whole lot of snipe fest you can do long distance on it i've we've seen competitive competitive matches for the most part boil down to just brawls um you you push over c3 like uh you're talking about uh chase on on like quick matches and you know spawn points to, I, I don't know like to me I want to see I want to see creative freedom of the artists and stuff, um, but I can also see where people are like don't touch if it ain't broke you know sort of aspect and does the community want it changed you know 
I, I love how easy it is to get into a fight there. I just hate when it comes down to um, the people with the, the knowledge of the map, you know, like tier tier one or higher gameplay where they just go over the crest and it's GG. So I love fast maps getting in there and just immediately thrown into a brawling situation because you don't have range. <laughs> you can't see over the stupid ship in the way like yeah. go go for it. But um you know when it when it comes to at the end of the day if the people with the side or the knowledge then I feel like creativity is hinging upon balance. Yeah. And then now uh go ahead. I was going to say and that that's another sort of aspect is you know Sight lines, uh, we've talked about this. Um, we've talked about the idea that spawn locations can potentially hurt. You know, Polar Highlands, you, you pretty much all spawn together. Um, some of these, uh, you know, maps, are they just blowing it up just to blow up? And how many, how much of the area is actually going to be usable? Um, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure if they looked at their the heat maps and, and death and maps, and some of you guys have never seen those, it's actually pretty cool. They used to be on, um, I think, Smurfy. You can pull up and you can see blips where everybody dies, but you can use that information and say, okay, well, we want this part of the map to be used. What do we do? And one of the, the difficulties from a, from a player's standpoint, and I can totally empathize, is here's a map that's been around for literally ever, and there's gen- most of the aspects you actually like about the map, why is it being changed? And a lot of people don't like the day-night cycle on a lot of the maps. They like just having, you know, the the Frozen City night. Why? Because it's clear and visible. But I will say they did a good job with Polar Highlands with that. That at night, it's clear and visible, um, so people don't have to turn up their uh, gamma to to be able to see. So. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is the command wheel. Uh, Chase, how often do you take command on the field? Do you think that the command wheel will change that at all? Will you giving uh, commands out to people? I, Kill I my thought, target, save my ass, that kind of stuff? I thought it was funny because I used to be a big Battlefield 2 player in Battlefield 2142. Yep. yep. And uh, the command has a lot more impact there because you're actually giving explicit tools and more kind of like instruction, and you can actually call uh artillery strikes yeah so with with mwl i'm like cool i'll join lance command nobody wants it you know i'll just do it and i find that regardless of whatever command position it's just kind of like a fluffy title that you have there's no associated points there's no reward in it and the bigger voice is going to win out anyways there's always going to be that one guy that's barking because they have a better idea or concept for what the strategy is and they're like blah 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 over in you know Kappa over there, like we, we we go over there, and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of command leader, guys. Uh, you know, you want to form up. And, over and, here and do you remember Battlefield Two? How annoying it was getting a commander that didn't properly drop ammo crates and support and stuff. Oh, all for themselves, right? Yeah, and and it was a huge role. And and I sort of look at. Obviously, we're talking about command wheel, like uh, to be able to say attack my target, you know, mech spotted, you know, and stuff like that. But that I think that's a valid thing to. Right now, take command really doesn't do anything because it's too cumbersome, I think, where one, you have to click B, pull up the map, click, you know, take command. OK, but then you can't do that on the fly. You can't do that uh, realistically as you're piloting your mech and getting shot at. Um, and I feel like command will in some ways just sort of negates any type of need need for that sort of commander position unless you're going to have a dedicated slot like a 13th man that has that ability to do i don't ammo drops whatever but i still don't think that fits in 
the 15 rounds sort of no respawn, you know, you can't magically yeah. repair armor or stuff. And so, you know, uh, I think there's other possibilities in, in ways they can implement it. But the idea that command will, I think it's been one of the Voight needed, sometimes abused, unfortunately, but it is what it is, but it's been great. And I'll ask you about that, uh, Chase. Uh, also, the ability to just say mech spotted, need help, need assistance. Uh, Focus target, whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, primary, tertiary, you know. The thing is, this game is so much more effective when you're in a group. If you're in a group, even with just two, three guys on TeamSpeak, you can be way more effective than you can by yourself and make an impact in the match. And then if you take somebody who will take command and knows what they're doing, they can literally turn the tide of a battle. Even from a losing position, they can turn the tide if they, you know, know what they're doing. And so, but the thing is, like, tons of people don't want to give commands over VoIP for reasons that you mentioned. Uh, maybe they're timid. Maybe they don't know strategies too well. Maybe they're just shy. Or maybe whatever. they do, and they get blasted by someone yeah. saying, you're, you you don't know what the hell you're talking you're about. Noob, you're right there. Yeah. Whatever reasons, to me, Command Wheel is going to open up the possibility for people you know, sharing information without having to worry about, oh, I don't want to be a drop caller or whatever. Because I'm that way, too. I'm a, I'm a fucking soldier, man. I, I, Not because I'm shy, just because I don't know the fuck I'm doing as far as strategy and tactics. So I'd rather be told what to do. But if I can find a target and say, focus my target, I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll give information whenever I can. So I think it'll be a good uh, introduction I'm wondering if it's going to be tied in, like, you know how on, like, Battlefield, where when you spot something on the map, it'll ping it for a few seconds? Yes. I wonder if that's going to happen. Cause as that, far as I understand, yes. That that could be potentially huge. Now, it can't be abused. Like, for instance, you can't just say, attack my target, if there's nothing there, it'll ping it on the map. But, you know, if it actually spots something, it'll highlight for a few seconds, at least somewhere or an area. But speaking of, of VoIP and command will, can you take a moment, uh, Chase, and talk about your experiences with VoIP? Maybe in MWO, but also outside, or is it something that you enjoy, hate, loathe? Um, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, in terms of games, there are games that are better with it. There are better, the games that are better without it. I kind of like how Hearthstone took a stance and said, we're not going to have people chat with each other because it's probably going to be toxic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to avoid that whole aspect. But, you know, in, in military games, you have a more mature audience and you have people that care about the objectives. The people that care about the objectives generally outweigh the trolls. So the trolls that come in, they try and blast music or whatever. It's like, cool, we're going to play the game. We're going to still make commands, like whatever. I haven't ran into that to to that that much. The only thing I've ran into are people that make calls or shot calls. And then other people are like, you're an ass. You just got us all killed. Or just like, you don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. You're a piece of shit. And I think that... Um, with the team slash Lance command, even if they awarded like a small menial amount of score to actually making said commands like properly, like target sided, target dies, assist, or, or sided plus, you know, or whatever, it would kind of encourage not only the people that don't speak, but it would encourage the integration between those who use VoIP and, uh, you know, those who don't. Gotcha. So the people that are, are, are more timid and it would actually give lance command meaning whereas you know in the battle tech lore lance command is huge <laughs> like it's it's yeah. one of the biggest things you know and company command was even bigger and being a taking command of a company is like okay cool um hey guys i'm gonna be your company commander today <laughs> uh, that goes uh, over really well 
Yeah, you want to go up, uh, you know, G G nine to G ten, and yeah, we'll have a fun game. It's uh, it's surprising how many times I've been streaming, and I'll just start. I don't know, maybe it's just natural, whether it's solo or even group, and I'll just hey alpha target, you know, alpha primary, bravo primary, you know, and how many times I'll I'll hear at the end, thanks for you know telling us, thanks you, thanks for just calling targets, and even though you know it seems very easy. If it was so easy for some odd reason, you think more people would step up and, and actually do it. And I think to be said, I haven't had too bad of experiences with VoIP. I have had a few. Um, but uh, there are some instances, PlanetSide 2, I remember playing with you, Darren, where you hop on and it's like global VoIP. And so yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I had this guy like singing um, Shakespeare and you know and like it, it, it was one of those things where you can have guys that uh I, I think it adds i think with command will it's like the the one of the the things that's been needed for the longest time because let's just say you don't have a mic uh you know you could be listening and people are like why aren't you freaking listening why don't you say something you just can't talk or for whatever reason um but uh command will it's a yes please so well, and uh, MOBAs, yeah. it's changed the game too. Like MOBAs are far less toxic because more communication is made without like direct communication. So ping, 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 I'm going this way, ping, 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 this is happening. There are less arguments because there's more clear communication that is uh, being projected about the objective and like eventually winning. Like, hey, I communicated this and then you can actually have, you know, a, a, a logical argument like, hey, you know, I, I motioned to this, da, da, da. Not that an argument is needed. It's just like, hey, you know, the miscommunication happened. More communication in video games, the better, either yeah. nonverbal or verbal, yeah. in my opinion. Unless it's H1Z1, then no. Then no. <laughs> All right, Darren. I'm watching everybody in chat. They, they think my picture was frozen just because I'm not moving. I'm listening. I'm very, I'm an attentive listener. And so I focus on what he's saying. So we got, we got yeah. the, the last thing in June. I'm actually really excited for. I'm, uh, leaderboards more leaderboards quick play leaderboards now i agree with solo quick play leaderboards i don't agree with at least in current form i or not agree i don't like the fact of there's going to be quick play leaderboards and the main reason being is exactly my rants in the past which is as soon as it, solo is fine because that you have you don't have control over a match you have equal control as everyone else as soon as you go to groups if if me and you drop two mans all the time, Darren, we're going yes. to have a lower win loss ratio than someone who drops in a six, eight, ten man. Like it, it yeah. you know, like it's the general issue I've had with group play. And the reason I bring this up is quick play leaderboards. How is that going to be distinguished distinguished? Is it individual performance? Well, obviously that's not that can't be done because as soon as you're in a group, so I think this just to me, I think it's cool. I want group leaderboards. So I guess let me backtrack on, backtrack on that. I like it. I just don't like the fact of it's it's imbalanced as is with having multiple different group sizes and the the you know the control you have over having those bigger, larger groups over smaller or even larger. Like a twelve man group has less tonnage to work with than a eight man, but um, it's just it promotes bigger groups and. That's one thing I just haven't liked. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple issues there as far as uh, group sizes and so forth. But we'll, we are just kind of going over the 
roadmap. So we're not going to get too deep into that one. We will move on. To the I, th- next I think one. it's I think it's great just because faction warfare, how it's awesome. <laughs> I cut you off. It's been great just because you can look up, you can see who the top players are. Awesome. Yeah, no, you I can, like who, who are the best, uh, you know, four man groups or whatever. But the problem is you don't just have four man groups. It's not limited to just four mans. It's, it's throughout the board. And I think it'll still be cool. Even in the current form, I can suck the hell up and it is what it is. But I still think that, uh, you know, that's another possible, uh, thing that needs to be looked at. Indeed. So let's move on to July. Uh, we've got another mech. Is it, I think this is going to be another one that you're going to enjoy. The Viper. Phil, the yeah. Viper. And then also the Dirty Clanner Chase. More clan mechs. Viper. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah. Now, I know you know what the Viper is because we were talking about it before the podcast. Uh, Chase, you looking forward to that? Probably more the Kodiak, you being an assault guy or, or whatever, but still a sexy looking little mech, isn't it? Oh, it's it's sexy. I mean, I, I love... Pretty much all of the clan lights. Um, you know, I I have Viper's adapted. medium. Oh, shit! It's all right. Do you like? It's a, it's perfectly fine. Don't worry. There's a million max, dude. It's for me the the really cool thing again was watching Alex and his uh, I guess time lapse video of him. He did a time lapse of this. Oh, yeah, I watched that. It's yeah, insane. and you know, people were like, "Oh man, I I thought I sort of caught glimpses or sort of hints at like helos and some of the right. the electronics and the stuff that he uses yeah. for his inspiration is awesome. He had fucking snakeheads on there, yeah. you know, like yeah, <laughs> I love that. And it's it's really cool because I get to talk to him on a daily basis, and you know, I get to see some of this at work in progress as as we move forward, and it's always just like. You know, he'll show, like, I'll go and look, be like, oh, what are you working on next? And, like, he'll tell me, and I'll go look at Sarna, or I'm like, oh, man, yeah, that thing looks like a bag of ass. And then he shows me his first, like, you know, just paint, you know, and I'm like, it's already better. You've already won the internet. Thanks. He he could fucking drool on a piece of paper, and it's going to be better than (laughs) half the original artwork. But, yeah. I I think it's going to be an interesting mech just because of Indo and Pharaoh, its tonnage. Um, It does have some dedicated jump jets um, to it. Um, but I think it might fall into the category of being, uh, it's going to be up there with, I wouldn't say the Hunchback 2C. I would say performance wise, I can see it sort of being in between a Shadow Cat and a, uh, Ice Ferret. Um, Yeah. So, anyways, I'm gonna like it just <laughs> just because I like those mechs and that yeah. sort of weight class. Like that, the one thing it doesn't have, it doesn't have ECM potentially. I think there might be a uh, variant or two, but I don't think it's in this time frame. Um, but uh, you know, that's where the Shadow Cat. That's what I really like is that sort of ninja capabilities. Um, but um, it's a damn sexy, good looking mech. So yeah, and uh, Chase, somebody said it's a medium that plays like a light. So you know, maybe that's what you were thinking. The the forty tonnage was was kind of throwing Threw you me off. off. Yeah, yeah. It's like I the mean, not that there are many lights that actually reach forty tons, but yeah. none. Well, it's it's like the cicada. Like that's it's going to be like a clan cicada minus yeah. So right, yeah. People think the cicada is a light just because of the you know its size, its maneuverability, and so forth. All right. Next thing in July is uh, there's going to be changes to the assault game mode, uh, basically making it so that it's more of an assault. Thoughts on that? Hmm. I, for me, everything is just going to be how it plays out. You know, like I mean, you can and and we it's fine to 
to sit here and chat about it and, and speculate or whatever. But in the end, I'm just going to have to see how it plays out. And... Yeah. It depends on the destructibles that they're looking to imp- implement. Like if it comes out well and it's integrated into the battles with the mechs or if it's like a disruptive element that becomes more cumbersome. So I, I can't really say for certain without kind of exp- like running into battlements. Yeah, basically says these additions to the assault game mode will include, uh, and this is pending full testing and tuning, turrets, destructible walls, jamming tower that produces an ECM effect, a radar tower that produces a UAV effect, and an air control tower that periodically calls in a dropship to, to protect the base. So it's a lot of stuff that we haven't uh, dealt with before. It will be interesting to see how that does change the game mode. You, you know, I'm sort of torn here because on one aspect... Something like that, what it sounds to me like is, oh, that'd be great for a respawn, right? I mean, sort of like what, what we used to play back in the day, uh, Darren, with MechWare Living Legends, where you'd have a, sort of attrition map, right? right. Capture, where, yeah. and even, I think it would even... have those bases, basically. And I think, I think it would fit in MWO, uh, just same l- match length, 15 minutes, um, and you maybe you have pre-selected X men of Max or whatever, four or three or two or whatever, Um the the way, my, I'm not throwing my vote in here for respawn, but that's that is what my my I guess my concern. The first thing that pops out to me is there's going to be more defenses on the base. Is capping a problem? If anything, I would say on assault, capping is less of a problem. Uh, the the death ball still happens. So is this going to penalize the the lights and mediums that can you know move really quickly and stuff? And even then, it's just sort of the idea. Even if it has nothing to do with lights or mediums. Is the primary objective to kill the enemy mechs, or is the primary objective to cap? Well, you you won't be able to complete the objective. You won't be able to win unless you uh, complete the objective, which is destroying the other base. The thing is, are people going to care about that before, you know, like during the match, or is it going to be everybody just seeks each other out, yeah. boom, 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 one side beats the other, and then they go take care of the base? Is that how it's going to be, or is the base going to? you know, be a part in the actual match. And and I, I've made this suggestion a while ago, and I think I saw someone recently say it. On Assault game mode, I actually like the current game mode. The problem I see with current... Let's take uh, uh, Kenya Network, for example. The problem I see with Kenya Network is that this, the, the actual cap points are too far away from each other. I think it would be a lot more dynamic if they all cap points on Assault mode were pushed in a bit more. So it makes it a strategic sort of balance of i can hit the cap but then you also have to play with this sort of stun capture mechanic and whatever and as soon as you do that as soon as and by the way um armor warfare world of tanks world of warships all of them have basically just that where they have the assault sort of uh but they move them in so you can dynamically move around but it's strategic when you go in it's it's tactical and it isn't just because what happens we all go right they go right and next you know it's it's cap fights now, at least now, you can stun, but when one mech can pretty much stun the entire you know, uh, base out. So I, I feel like it's on the right track. I just don't know how I feel necessarily about bolstering defenses at bases when all what may be needed really is those pushed in and then introduce your, uh, maybe a, just like intel points. Just imagine little secondary uh, capture points off to the side or in the middle to where you know, you want to dive and try to take those, uh, get those airstrikes or long, I think long time would be great, just random long time or whatever, but stuff like that to where 
you go and it, maybe it's in the middle, it's in that sort of danger zone or whatever, and maybe a light off to the right goes and grabs the the sensor and it does a sensor sweep or whatever. I think those little things could add a lot to assault, um, conquest, and my main issue again has always been skirmish because there is no objectives, um, and uh, I feel like uh, that's another topic. But assault game mode. I just Domineth brings up an interesting point. He says, Darren, let's be honest. How often do opposing forces have fortified bases within spitting distance of each other? <laughs> um, I think, well, maybe World War One trench warfare. I don't know. But I agree with you in general. Um, it, maybe is, it, is this real life? Assault. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that. This is a game. But it, what if that does bring up a thought. What if assault is just one side assaulting another, almost kind of like, uh, you know, community warfare? That could be you know, a serious assault where one team is dug in or something like that. I don't like, know. Like rush and battlefield, but then you, yeah, you, you would like need spawns. Dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. You need spawns. And, and I feel I, like, I feel like that's okay. Like if it's acceptable to say in CW, you have four mechs and you're respawning basically, right? You're coming in with the dropship, but it's respawning. If it's okay in there, if we allowed a, a game slippery mode that was, slope, man. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's slippery. But if the game mode fits, if well, I it's, think we already took a step. I mean, it's it, the slippery slope is in the past because we already did take a step with respawns in community warfare. But in general, my game preference and choice is no respawns. I like people to play serious, like they they like they want to survive and not just go. Yeah, but you, you can again. sort but of yeah, remember the tat. Okay, go back to the Living Legends. We had fantastic matches even with respawn back then, and it was very tactical, right? Because the longer you were out there, the more points that you gathered. Uh, if you were smart, and especially on some of those, you'd go and repair at the repair base if your team had it. And it allowed you to take out some bigger and heavier guns and stuff like that, but you were tactical on what mechs you were to take out. I just feel like Assault Game Mode, and we're leaving Chase out of this discussion, but Assault, assault Game Mode, I don't know if we need fortified bases or fobs. I just feel like let the mechs fight and the secondary objective and sort of tertiary sort of help force the conflict, if you will, right? The idea that these, right now, the cap points on Canyon Network are so far away, from, push them in a bit, not right on top of each other in the middle, add some secondary and tertiary things like Intel uh, points for radar or maybe an RD strike or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's, 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 bam, there you go. Assault is fixed, you know, and, but here's the thing. You're going to have people bitch and complain if they get out capped on anything. That's, that's the nature of the beast, right? Like even with the new improvements, even with what we're talking about, if it's the next best thing to freaking cake, you're going to have someone bitching and complain because they lost because they got out capped. They, because they didn't fight or whatever you tactical decision, pussy. you, you know. can only win by capping. You fucking pussy. <laughs> How many times I heard that in world of tanks too. Yeah. Uh, Salama says, uh, hang in there. Trainsy. Uh, the thing is Phil and I can, and, and do just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. No, I, I love, I love Interrupt listening ourselves. to it because it's, uh, Oh, I mean, as it considers assault mode, it just sounds really ambitious. Uh, it's funny that you guys brought up Planet Side too, because that's what it reminded me of when I when I read it. It also reminded me of Battlefield, um, uh, Bad Company Two, or yep. when they started uh, really introducing destructibles. It was really ambitious for them at the time, but it kind of added a certain element that was nice. So it's really how the the execution goes, and if it's you know. If it's going to take take away from mech versus mech battles and how that enters into the strategy, I think 
and uh, this is just me guessing, is that they wanted to involve more base skirmishes as it applied to kind of Battletech lore and, and involve campaign. Like these actually happened around base. They weren't, you know, just near some bumfuck volcano over that way. Like they weren't, th- those weren't all of the battles. Like this actually happened and you, there were strategic advantages. There were airstrikes that happened occasionally. Like there's stuff going on. So, um, I think it could be done really well. I just, it's just, you're juggling with so many elements when you talk about all this other stuff. It's like, okay, UAV effect, how are you going to implement that? Is it yeah. going to be a tower that you walk near? Is it going to be a cool down or cool up line? And is that going to trigger for, you know, different global Mac map arrays and then that'll be like a seismic for each area you know with the air control tower the period is that going to be a control point and that you know that air tower like air strikes repeatedly a certain capture area you know um a dropship to protect the base is that going to be armed somehow is that going to assure more lives like there's so much left in the air that it's like we mean really well and we kind of want to offer this element that gives you more of that base to base feel and that integrated battle, I think it would, I don't know. I just, it's just too much. It's too vague. And, ex- and especially in a quick play game mode, I sometimes think, right. The idea right now is we have four, we have assault conquest, domination and skirmish. And in reality, I think three would be solid. I think they could literally dump skirmish at all. It could, I, just, I don't like skirmish, but I think kiss, just keep it simple, stupid. I mean, you've got two cap points and some secondary stuff as well. You want the fight to happen? We'll put the cap points in a position to where it's going to force the fight, not have this revolving, I go right, you go right, and we'll just, you know, you know, and that's what happens on all the maps, especially the bigger ones. Think about that for a second. Where the cap points are on Polar Highlands, they're so far apart. If they that's just, if they push those assault mode closer together, it would... It would just that you don't even have to introduce secondary stuff, but if you just forced that in there, it would dynamically change how the maps are, uh, you know, and the game game modes are actually played. And it's the idea that you have mechs that are only going 50 kph. By the time they get to midway, they're being outcapped, and it has nothing to do. With people are like, well, that's the game mode. The one problem with that though is that, like. They're not even a part of the match. If they just sat back and waited, then nothing would happen, and now they're down a lance. And I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it'll be interesting to see what happens, and is it as complicated or possibly complicated as it sounds on paper? So, indeed. And then the next thing coming in July is multiple drop decks for community warfare. You get two for invasion and two for scout that are savable. So that's been something people have been wanting for a while. Plus, I think you can buy what two more for each with MC. Yep. Uh, which would mean you have uh, yeah, four. So yeah. four of each. Um, anyway, that's that's great. It'll be nice to have multiple drop decks saved. I think people would like that option for quick play, to be honest. Ex- especially with how the chat works. One of the, uh, coming out of a match, the only problem I have that it takes you back to like the home screen. Then you got to click the social tab to ready up. Like it would be great if it just took you back to the that group tab um, every single time, but you could switch out mechs from right there. Maybe you have a, you don't have to go, maybe the, if there's UI or chat fixes, we won't have that problem. So that sort of negates that, I guess. I just talked my way through the solution, I guess. Okay. Ready up button at the top. That's just obnoxious and you can't miss it. It's like, have you readied up yet? Did you select your mech? Like ready up. (laughs) That'd be kind of cool. Cause then I don't know. Sometimes I'll be leader and I haven't even readied up and I'm like, 
I'll get a nudge from people like, hey, man, you want to start the match? I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, I was on the X, Y, and Z screen, and I got lost in the spreadsheets. Uh, I'll be right there. Yeah. Uh, Alexander GRC brought up a savable camo pertaining to map. Uh, what he's referring to is something similar to, like, basically World of Tanks when you drop in on a map, depending on whether it's considered... Uh, you know, desert, um, snow, or whatever. You can pick your camo so that that it's appropriate. I don't. I don't think that matters right is, now. The problem is, no, a white mech on Polar Highlands is still black in the distance, so yeah. camo doesn't really matter. I, I could see it being a fun thing or whatever. Hey, you can pick between two or three different camos, but I don't think it's necessary. I, I would, think it's more. Of a I fun. think that's a great, great thing if the rendering issues weren't there. If you could take a yeah. white mech and it helped and camo, right? blend you, then awesome, right? I think that'd be great, but uh, yeah. Indeed, all right. And then the final thing, this the, is a little the controversial con- The contentious. Well. Yeah. Even though I don't think it is, but... Uh, supply cache. The supply cache is going to be added to the game in July. Although, again, this is something I talked to Russ about today. Um, and he said that there's so many things that could change between now and then it's got to go through testing and, you know, he has his reservations and he, you know, understands what everybody's brought up. So I wouldn't get too crazy about how it's going to be implemented just yet. Uh, cause I think there's going to be more info on that coming, but just in general, the idea of, um, finishing a match, whether it's something that you actually get in the match, like you search out and find it, or, you know, somebody randomly wins one or if, a couple people or everybody gets one at the end of the match. What are your thoughts on a supply cache? Um, my thoughts are I don't want it to be a gameplay um, thing. It doesn't need to be in the game. Like it doesn't because it's like squirrel. Uh, now I would say I think the majority of players would just not even worry about it. But two is if there's potential for someone to go and try to look and it pulls one or two players or three players away, I just have it at the end of the match screen. Also, don't have it so only the winners can have it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's a monetization process and, and idea. Make it available to everyone. If they want to spend the MC to get a prize of randomness or whatever, have it open to everyone. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the idea of it being a gameplay mechanic uh, or a thing that you have to physically track down. And if you win and if... No, just at the end of the screen, hey... Would you like to purchase this and you potentially could get this blah, blah, blah and make it like a dollar or whatever, right? I mean, and I think that it's win-win, makes them money, masses are happy with it, doesn't affect gameplay, boom. Thoughts, Chase? Well, it's it's interesting because um, the loot crates are, or, you know, CSGO crates, the League of Legends just introduced it, they kind of created an extended end game for people and their ability to pay money into something for things that are perceivably rare. So people who like to gamble, it gives them the option of experiencing the end game of gambling in the game that they like to enjoy most. So for them, it's great. It's like, cool, you know, I could roll the dice, buy some keys, you know, get this and that and the other. And I think it'd be great if you could just buy the crate, buy the keys, and then, you know, let them go on their merry way. And if the supply cache was instead something that was issued and given free that you could then turn into C-bills that at the end of the match that was given randomly without being a part of the gameplay. Because I feel like aesthetics or free items or things that kind of introduce additional monetization do not deserve to be as a gameplay element unless it is like you tripped on a rock that happened to be the supply crate. It's now on your mech. 
good job. If somebody kills you, then it transfers over to them. I think that would be pretty cool if somebody kills you and takes the supply grade, if it like lights them up. But even then, that would be distracting from whatever game type would be included. So I think it should be random at the end of the match. And I think in terms of content, more is more. And if it doesn't affect the general population and the gameplay of the overall game, then, you know, why not? I know it's pay to win and it's gamble or not. You're not paying to win anything. You're paying to. So you're, you're saying like cosmetic items, maybe C built, but particular things that aren't giving you an advantage. I mean, that would be my concern too, is like, you know, it'd be awesome if they had like, you couldn't buy said items that you're potentially winning in the store or maybe sometimes like the really rare items. Maybe there's a unique yeah. war horn. That's just Banff and, or a camo pattern that is available to all of your mechs and it's a special stuff like that. That's really where, and they just kept doing that to where, but you know, what if, uh, I don't know. It, it, I think that, I think that'd be fine. And my, my biggest issue is just like Domino says, squirreling is generally not encouraged by teams. And I, the first thing that popped in my head when I saw that is why, no, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't need that. We don't need potential squirreling, let alone, actual squirreling occurring i think most games have some version of this and i think it's totally you know understandable why uh we want it in our game and it just needs to be implemented correctly i do agree though i totally would rather this be some sort of salvage thing salvaging is such a part of BattleTech and mech warrior post battle what do you get you get but fucking what salvage though? but what well in it, uh, whatever, any, all of what you guys discussed, any, any of the above. I think that implementing, if you're doing this kind of thing because it's BattleTech Mech Warrior, it should be salvage. Uh, that's like, that's what it's called in this game, you know. And so I'm big on that. I think it should be salvage. Uh, as far as what it is and and how it's implemented, I don't. I agree. Unless there's some amazing way to implement it as an in-game thing, uh, then I don't think it should be in-game. Oh, you know, it'd be awesome and this isn't the cool thing is this wouldn't be pay to win but what if they started implementing specialized uh lasers with different colors or you know weapon effects and stuff like that that you know what i'm saying like and it doesn't add to power creep you're not adding you know lasers or ppcs or goss you know or anything like that but aesthetically they look different for you and if you're using them what's your thoughts chase Rainbow, rainbow PPC. <laughs> I think I think if they introduced uh, rarity and if they introduced more like, because at present we're we're a very spoiled, you know, gaming community. Like we have these monthly events that rotate. We get all these like, uh, you know, this decor for free. You know, um, buying a, you know, a pack of mechs. They just throw it at you, and you're like, cool. Here, just load it up into any mech you want. And I think it's one of the best things to do with Rainbow Vomit. It's he's a genius. <laughs> um, I think rarity and one of the, I think, overlooked things, especially with now the Steam integration, would be avoiding um, the salvage idea entirely and having it be a Steam community market where you can actually trade with the currency that you get from buying and selling the different items. So you get like, you know... Uh, your gold Kerensky statuette and then somebody wants to trade it for the the rainbow PPC or the the glittery gauss and then you could 
pay your money what, or what are you guys doing you? to my battletech you, you, what, what you're saying is <laughs> seriously I, what, <laughs> shoot unicorns rainbow fucking ppcs and pink care bears he's uh yeah no what you're basically proposing is sort of like team fortress 2 and the the no hats Please. right no hats no dapper hats even though a lot of people want dapper oh atlas but i guess i guess is that potentially now is it just items in the game or do you allow the community to also create items or is it one of those things where you just have these internal now are you saying sell for real money or are you just saying just trade internally for in in you know like in-game content in-game you know mcc bills you know I think sure. I think it would be I think yes. it would be money. <laughs> like money. My, my buddy made fucking three hundred and seventy five dollars selling some CSGO AK forty seven or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, it just I think again, this could be something fun and cool for the community if it's implemented correctly. Um but yeah, I think for the most part we don't want to see in game uh, mechanics but you know I, I you know what this opens or, up this this last gauss, topic of supply crates or rainbow ppcs yes. i think i think what it highlights is the fact of cw3 has went in Ru- russ and company have done two hot fixes okay we want polish introduce aesthetic items to the game that we've been wanting forever different atlas heads and, and all that those that marauder that we were talking about different you know all those type of things introduce mon little microtransactions we've wanted obviously decals um what about sound packs what about you know all these type of things where a lot of them could even just be local um stuff like i was saying like uh even even if you bought different uh, laser colors on your end it looks x but on globally everyone sees the exact same thing that would also solve the fact of you don't have to worry about oh, what is that a purple laser like where yeah. is that you know like what is that and the microtransactions, like, you know, we as players want to give them money, but we, you know, we want the content. I mean, sound packs is huge, by the way. Like, I'll be the first. I love Shabaxis and all that sound mods. Like, I would use them 24-7, you know, but I can't. You know, it is what it is. And it, it to me, those, I mean... I, I don't even, you could have so many sound packs and people would buy them. And I think this just sort of highlights the sort of supply cash idea. I think it's good and, you know, good as far as not the current sort of concept, but the idea of having them in some way, shape or form is fine. It's just, I think the community is like, we want these things to be able to give you money. When are you going to, when are you going to finally do it? Well, you know? we want it all. And I totally get that. I want it all too. Um, no doubt about it. So but anyway, that is May, June, and July. For now, yeah, things could change. So, uh, yeah, I'm I was kidding about the glitter gauss. No, you weren't. No, you, no, you weren't. <laughs> oh, no, he totally to wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Dude, to get killed by them I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to Paul, and from now on, any gauss you ever equip is going to be shooting glitter. Oh, totally. <laughs> he could do it if anybody. Never, never running gauss. Thanks. <laughs> The images. Anyways, just want to say a quick uh, shout out to uh, Chase Train Z. And of course, guys, make sure to head over to his Twitch channel. We'll go ahead and drop those links in the chat and uh, bug him on Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, get well, him. And don't forget, he's, he's kicking off his uh, MWO tenure this Friday. Yep. At what time, uh, Train Z? I'm Chase. thinking uh, noon Pacific Standard Time. Noon ish o'clock. 
Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking noon to midnight. It's going to be a 12 hour 12 kind to 12. of launch stream. Yeah, that's a cool. so that's a nice stream. Yeah, we've done 12 hours. It wasn't 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 horrible. Wasn't horrible. 20, 24 is horrible. 12 24 is, is pretty unbearable. Yeah, is it? Oh, okay, I like 12. I like 12. Yeah. All right, so uh, we will definitely promote that. That'll be uh, two days from now. So welcome, so, Trainzy, to the community. And yeah. before before we wrap up here, um, obviously, mm-hmm. can we give a slight update on your situation? I know we've sort of put people in limbo. We said you were moving. You said you were moving. Shit's do we? Now. Do we have a time frame? Do we want to yeah. want to tell people? You know. Uh, well, basically, it's going to be with any time next 30 to 60 days. We're, we're looking for a house right now. Actually, we applied to one. I think we're going to get it, uh, in which case it would be like 40 days from now uh, that we'd be moving. So sometime next month. But it is happening. Uh, we've already given notice where we are, get, getting rid of our animals, uh, a lot of crazy stuff. So it is happening. I'm moving to North Carolina probably next month. So... Yeah, future podcasts very soon. Uh, you're not going to necessarily see the same format and setup. We're going to be doing. Darren will not be blurry. We can guarantee that he won't be blurry anymore. I don't. It, also, well, unless, unless you're in my office, we're going to change. We're not. We're going to check out that other program that he mentioned because I hate Skype. Skype is shit. Well, everything. Yeah, everything's going to change. Uh, but anyway, it's going to start sometime next month. Uh, looking forward to it. So, anyways, I guys, hope to see some of you out there. I know some of you are yes. uh, East Coast and North Carolinas. Yep, yep. So we'll see you there. All right, guys. Uh, Rich, yes. A big thank you to our community, all of our listeners, new and old. We even care for the old people, and you know, old viewers and listeners too. And of course, our Patreons. By the way, if you guys want to support the podcast, there's a few ways you can do it. Uh, one, uh, shop on Amazon. We've got an affiliate link. It's down below. It's also on our website. Adds nothing to you guys' order. It just kicks back to NGNG. Um, and, of course, our Patreon page. Uh, we, we're going to be updating that, by the way, uh, because when he moves out here, we're going to be getting a studio. So I know a lot of people have shown interest in that. We're going to be updating all of our goals in our Patreon page. But you well, can yeah, check it out. We're going to be getting a studio space, you know, office studio space. We're going to be doing more things. Like Phil and I have been wanting to do tabletop forever. I mean, we used to do Mega Mech just so we could get some tabletop in. We're actually going to do real life in-person uh, tabletop. So we're going to be story. adding things. Yeah, we're going to be adding things to uh, our repertoire. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And of course, like to uh, give a quick shout out to all of our Twitch subs in chat and of course all of our new followers and supporters. Thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. And uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, thank you so much. I will be doing some Mech Commander right after the stream. Just FYI. I got to finish out the original campaign. We're on the last Back mission. It's been a while since yeah. you last. Hashtag Countess, rest in peace. All Hashtag right. Goblin, rest in peace. Forever in our hearts. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast. Signing off for tonight. This is Phil. This is Darren and Chase. Go ahead. This is Trainzy, aka Chase. <laughs> Until next time, MechWare's Peace.